Sometimes your situation may not make sense. That situation may be a surprise to you, but God has known about it since the beginning of time. He knew it would be hard, but He knew you could depend on Him so His glory would be revealed through your circumstances. Our job is to never quit until God reveals the miracle of His plan. Wow, that is pretty profound, and I would love to tell you that those profound words are my own, but alas, they are not, and that's the bad news for me anyway. But the good news is I have with me on the Isle of Misfits hotline the very man who penned these words in his brand new book called Champion. His name is Craig Johnson, and he's here with us today to talk about not just his book, but why he wrote it and why you need to read it. So welcome, welcome, Craig, to the Isle of Misfits. We are so glad to have you with us here today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, gosh. Now, um, there's there's so much we can talk about. And that, like I said, just moments ago, before we hit record, I want you to do most of the talking. But um, let's start here. So um, today is the day that we're recording is Monday, April 2nd, which just happens to be the kickoff of uh, Autism Awareness Month, right? So today is World Autism Day. And why am I bringing this up? Well, there's a reason, and I'm going to let you take it from here. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so me and my wife, we had uh, two kids, a uh, boy and a girl. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of plan out your life and right. <laughs> when you start out. And so we definitely had ours got planned out. We had our kids early, and we thought, you know, by the time uh, they were in college, we'd have those opportunities to travel and, and uh, be able to do ministry and different things like that. Uh, together and you know but God has a different plan I call it an unrehearsed destiny you know you didn't plan it but God had planned all along I love that unrehearsed destiny I'm writing that down yeah okay yeah, yeah. It, you know I it, it, it truly was so uh, we had a boy and a girl they were 10 and 12 years old I went and got a vasectomy on Thursday uh, we were done having kids you know we we, we, we had two beautiful kids at that time and I went in on Thursday, and my wife came in crying on the following Saturday. And she said, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant. And uh, I started crying. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Wait, there's a scripture coming to my mind. What is it? Many are the plans of a man's heart. Dot, dot, dot. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so so obviously it was a shock for us. And, and uh, we, we, uh, once we got over the shock, you know, of course, we were excited to have uh, our baby. And, and so, uh, of course, about nine months later, we had a Connor and, uh, Connor was really just like our other two kids. Um, you know, uh, just really cheerful, happy, and, um, just, uh, would interact with us, talk with, talk with us when he got a little bit older, about one and a half. And then, um, we moved to Houston about six months into being here. Uh, when he was two, everything changed and shifted in a short amount of time. Hmm. And uh, that that was really the shock for us where my son was playing with other playmates. Now he stared off at the wall and played by himself where he was uh, giving us a hug and a kiss. Now he showed no emotion whatsoever. And he kind of, he wouldn't look us in the eye and he stared off. And then um, where he would talk to us and say, I love you, mommy and daddy. And, 
uh, he stopped talking altogether. Wow. So he had speech and he just, yeah. he began to lose it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it happened within really about two week period. And, and, uh, yeah, it was shocking because, you know, the only way I can really explain it was almost like a, a car wreck, a bad car wreck where one day your child's one way another day he's another. Wow. Wow. So in a two week time span, you went from having a child, like you said, like, like your other, you know, other children interacting and now all of a sudden just a, a different, a different person than who you knew. Yeah, it, it really was. And, you know, when that happens, it, you know, you're, you're trying to search for answers. And, you know, when you're, you're, when you look at a special needs family and they go through some type of traumatic shift or, or, you know, if a mom and dad finds out there's an extra chromosome and they found out, find out their child has Down syndrome, um, you begin to really research it and, and try to figure out how you can help your child. And that's where, you know, a, like a mom and like my wife, she started, you know, just getting on the computer and, you know, the child kind of becomes their mission. In right. Life. Right. That it's just it's just maternal, you know. That that's just what they do. Dad's trying to connect with them emotionally, and and when that stops, you know, the mom's kind of looking at the dad and saying, you know, why aren't you doing the same thing that I'm doing? Hmm. Dad's just saying I'm trying to connect emotionally, and so that's why so many special needs families uh, are really struggling, even as couples, because if you have any other issues outside of what you're dealing with. Uh, it can be really challenging. Right, because what you're, what I'm hearing is, okay, so you've got this this dynamic of, okay, we've got we've got a situation here. We're trying to figure out what's going on with our kid, but we also have our own dynamic. I think differently than you do, as you know, as a, as a woman, as your wife, as you know. It, so you've got those dynamics, and how do you how do you navigate, you know, and how do you give each other grace through that? That's right. Well, you know, it, it, it's. It's really difficult because it's a new normal, and, right? And you're you're trying to keep things as as uh, normal as as possible, but you know things have shifted. What me and my wife did, you know, we just kept on walking towards each other. You know, we we, we didn't have it all figured out, but we we just whether it was praying together or or just trying to figure it out together, we just tried to do it together. And, you know, the other dynamic is we had two typical kids, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, your world begins to revolve around this one child that has, uh, uh, you know, tremendous needs. And then you still have your other your other children and you know that, that things are going to change for them as well. And how do you navigate that and work through that? So we had all kinds of uh, different challenges to navigate. Uh, as we were going through this process, right? You know, and you use the use the phrase "walking toward each other." Um, I I wonder in that walking toward each other, I I'm getting this picture in my mind that maybe sometimes you might have been bumping into each other. Yeah, you know, it, it, there there were you deal with a lot of guilt. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, how did this happen? Um, especially especially moms will, will deal with that you know uh, why did this happen did I do something wrong uh, it's all those things that you deal with and mm. and then um, as a couple you know your world changes so so I'll just give you an example you know for a family with special needs or you know we're celebrating autism awareness month for us 
you begin to see things uh, that you, a world that you never saw before. For instance, you know, families like mine, uh, not only are they dealing with things, you know, relationally, what's going on at home, but, you know, there are challenges outside of that. For instance, you know, if you want to put your child in a school, you know, most public schools will tell you they're felling in two areas, at-risk kids and special needs. And the reason why they're felling with special needs is not because we don't have good teachers. Um, it's because it's autism and different special needs have grown at such a rate. Um, autism has grown 300% since the early 1980s. Mm. And so now one in 58 kids are being diagnosed with autism. So, so there's too many kids in the classroom uh, for these teachers to work with. So like a one to eight ratio, you're not going to develop the child very much. If you want to put them in, in private school, it's $1,500 to $5,000 a month. So the truth is most families are not seeing their children develop properly uh, that have special needs. Then you deal with rejection, you know, uh, a lot of rejection society. So even though special needs have been around forever, different types of special needs, uh, there's still a stigma that, that happens in society. And we've been in a restaurant sitting, sitting to get our food and, you know, our son would start stimming, a uh, uh, form of overstimulation. He would get excited. And we literally had waitresses turn around and never come back to our table to to take our, our order, people ask us to leave. And so you deal with, you know, that type of rejection. And then even the church, you know, 99% of churches don't have anything for special needs. Yet there are well over, you know, I, I think 54 million with disabilities, 30 million uh, uh, teens and youth uh, or teens and kids with, with special needs. And if they can't, what families like mine are looking for, Nancy, is hope every week. Mm -hmm. So, so when you can't go to a church and my son couldn't sit in a service, you know, uh, like that, and you try to put him in a typical classroom and they're, the teacher's watching that one child when you've got 20 and you can't blame the teacher, uh, what these families do is they become shut in because they've either been rejected by the church or they, they struggled. And I love the church. Right. And I'm a pastor. Right. But I love the church. But, but you feel that rejection. And then what you deal with at home, you know, when Connor stopped speaking, he knew he could speak, but, but he couldn't get it out. And, and so he'd get so frustrated that he would have these terrible meltdowns. Right. And they, over a period of time, over about three years, they just got worse and worse. No matter what we did, no matter what type of, of, of therapy or technique, um, it, it just got harder and harder. Right. So, okay, so 54, no, 58 million kids, right? Or 50, something like 54 million kids, it's gone up 300%. Uh, like you said, th this is something that mostly everyone, it's hard to imagine in this day and age that there isn't anyone who hasn't been touched in some way, whether in your own family, your immediate family, your uh, your extended family, friends, neighbors, whatever. You know, m most of us have in some way been affected by autism. So having said that, it's rather remarkable that some of these things are still an issue. Like you said, this this rejection, like and and even just not knowing what to do about it, whether it's at school or at or at the church, you know, why do you think that is? So it's it's something that's somewhat prolific, right? It's it's everywhere in our society and yet we still don't quite know what to do about it. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well the the you know 
just our human nature, you know, our human nature, um, when something is different or people feel like it's less, um, even when Jesus was saying, you know, uh, reaching out to the least of these, he wasn't saying that, that these children or these teens or adults were the least of these. He was explaining in a human form of how we would look at it, not how he looks at it. Mm. But, but we look at it in that sense of less than rather than just different. And so, so when you get around that and you see somebody that doesn't act uh, typical or doesn't act like, like uh, mo- you know, quote unquote, most people do, uh, there's an awkwardness. There's uh, uh, an uncomfortable uh, feeling around that, and they don't know how to respond. I, I think the greatest way to respond to it is letting down your guard and what families like like mine are looking for are love and acceptance. So, so you don't have to necessarily understand everything, but but just love them and accept them. And the only way really to change that is awareness. Awareness, um, yeah. Really bringing awareness, uh, teaching our churches, teaching uh, uh, in in our schools, um, putting uh, creating inclusive environments for these families and these kids to be a part of. And we've seen that personally happen even within our church and everything. When we create an inclusive environment, people look at these families differently. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I have like five different things I want to say all at the same time because you said so much that, you know, uh, it just another scripture came to mind. You know, man looks on the outward appearance, right? You're a pastor. You know that one. But God looks upon the heart. And, and it's so true, isn't it, that we, you know, we take that word different and we do, we, we kind of attach the stigma. Well, if you're different than me, that means you're not normal, you know, in air quotes. But, you know, you use that term, you use the term typical when you were talking about your other two children, you know, rather, and I noticed you didn't use the word normal. And I think there, at least to me, that was significant that you use typical rather than normal. Was that intentional? Yeah, because I think it, it's very intentional for, for uh, families because what is normal? Right. You know? When, when, yeah, not me. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their quirks that, you know, God didn't create us all to be the same, so we're all unique. And, right. And what people forget, you know, uh, is that these kids, whatever comes out of God's hands, is perfect. It may not look the same as, as someone else, but he, he creates everything perfectly, you know, that, that his power might be revealed. That's why in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, I love the scripture because Jesus, you know, he's walking along. He sees a, a man who is blind from birth. Hmm. And here's the human form. The rat, you know, the disciples ask him, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Right. You know, was it because of his sins? or his parents' sins. So that's where our mind goes. That's where society goes. Oh man, there must be something wrong. You know, there's something deficient with this family. There's something deficient with this child. But I love what Jesus says. He says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happens to the power of God to be seen in him. Yeah. And that's what, that's why God creates us uniquely. And even with our failures, even with our struggles, even with our challenges, it's so his power can be revealed through him so we can help others. Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I find this brokenness has a perfume that pride can never produce. <gasps> Ooh, that's really good. I'm writing that one down too. Brokenness has a perfume that pride could never produce. Love that. Yeah. And, you know, so many times what we have to bow in our lives is our pride, you know, uh, our, our perfect scenario, you know, we admire perfection, but we can't relate to it ultimately, you know? And so, yeah. so it's, it's one of those things where, where you've got to break down and, and be, be willing to be vulnerable. And these kids are vulnerable at the start. And, and I believe this, you know, so much, we look at brokenness as something that needs to be fixed. But God looks at brokenness as someone ready to be used. Mm, that is and, profound. Yeah. And so, so, so we've got to change how society looks at them. That's why, you know, when we developed a program, we called it Champions Club because the everyone is a champion in God's eyes, and these kids can do, and these teens and adults can do great things if we'll work with them and develop them and help them navigate it. Yes, and I want to hear. I want to hear about Champions Club. But you know what? I I want to pause here because I I want to go back um, just a little bit, and I would love to hear about Connor. Tell us about Connor. What's he like? Yeah. So so when Connor, I'll kind of I'll kind of lead into that. If that's okay. We're, sure. We're we're Connor. Uh, when Connor stopped speaking, um, you know, and it changed from from. One, one, you know, from the child that we knew uh, to, to kind of this, this new normal of who he was becoming. Uh, when he stopped speaking, he started having these terrible meltdowns. And this is something that a lot of autistic families deal with. And, uh, uh, but Connor w was still so fun to be around, um, but he would have these terrible meltdowns. I remember one day, you know, my wife's, the, the meltdowns were so bad that my wife said, I'm not sure if I can, I can take it anymore. Mm. And, and my wife's my hero. So, mm. so when she says something like that, I know she doesn't mean that. I just know that's just the emotion. Right. And I'll never forget one day I was driving to work and I asked God, you know, just why, you know, why is he, why, why is he struggling so much? Not why we had him because we love him, but why is he struggling so much? And God just spoke to me and said, Greg, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. Mm. And I said, God, I know what you mean. And this is probably the most intimate conversation I've ever had with God. And I said, God, I know what you mean. We love our son. He said to me again, he said, no, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. He said, you're looking at everything that's wrong with him. He said, you're not looking at everything that's right. And I said, God, what do you mean? And he said, Craig, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people. Now, you got to understand at that time, it was probably my most vulnerable time. And I, I honestly, even as a pastor, I couldn't see it. And, and I picked up a little bottle of water. And I said, I said, God, how's my son going to reach millions of people? Can't even ask for a drink of water. And I'll never forget what God spoke to me. He just spoke to me four words. He just said, do you trust me? And, you know, I didn't give him the pastoral answer. And, and I remember, you know, j just saying, Father, you're all we've got. I mean, there is no cure for autism unless you healed our sons, but I trust you. And this is kind of leading to who Connor is today, who he's right. become. But right. I, I remember 
I remember, you know, after that, I thought things were going to be okay. And uh, I, 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 I just would begin to, to pray and stuff like that. And, and I remember it, the meltdowns, though, they started getting worse and worse. And this is where God was just really wanting to know if we trust him. And, and I remember I couldn't even pray elaborate prayers in that time. All I could say was, I trust you. Mm-hmm. I trust you. But I found out with God that was enough. Until about three months later, my wife came calling from upstairs. She said, Craig, 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 get up here. Get up here. And I said, what is it? And she said, Craig, I was, I ran upstairs and, and she's crying. And she said, Craig, I was putting Carter to bed. And I was reading him a couple of books. And she said, I, I began to pray for him. And she said, all of a sudden, he began to speak. And he began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. It's amazing. You got real. You got realize. I've heard my son speak more than two words in three years. So three years, not a word, and now all of a sudden, he's speaking. Yeah, and and it's staggering. I, I said, I said, what did he say? And I was crying, and and, and uh, she said, she said he just began to speak, and I said, what did he say? And so she walks me over to his bed, and she leans over his bed, and she says, Connor, say it for mommy, daddy, say it again. And my little five-year-old boy looked up, and all of a sudden he he looked it into our eyes, and he began to speak, and he said, "This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. What it says I have, I can do. What it says I can do." Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm going to receive the incorruptible indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. That was my son's first word. What? Are, are you kidding me? Oh. No, it, it, it's a truth. Wow. What happened, what happened was, was that, you know, we were bringing our, the messages uh, from our pastor home, and and they were on DVD, and little do we know, Connor was, say, was taking those DVDs and he would take him up to his room and put him in the, the DVD player. And it didn't matter if the message changed. That that was the declaration that the whole church would say before our pastor would preach. And even though the message changed, that declaration went over and over and over until it became his first words. And we knew it was a miracle, you know, because autistic kids can learn a lot of things. We knew when he said that as his first words, we knew that was God. And so... Um, Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that, I mean, you know, okay, it's, it's, it's astounding on all levels that, that he took all that in and that he could say it, but this is a child who hasn't said a word for three years, just even just from a, I'm not a speech pathologist or anything close to it, but just from that perspective to have, to have not been practicing the, the physicality of, of speech for three years and come out and just say that is, is just, it's stunning. Yeah, it, it it was. I mean, you know, we weren't doing the golf clap, you know. We were jumping around the room. Yeah. We were going oh. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember right after that, our church had been walking along with us. And, and I remember uh, speaking on Wednesday night. And I show, I, I talked about the God of the breakthrough. I show Connor saying his first words on video. And our, you know, I don't know about your church, but we're criers, you know. Mm. And so people yeah. just lost it. Our pastor, Pastor yeah. walked up to me afterwards, and he said, uh, 
Craig, can I speak about Connor's miracle? And I said, absolutely. And so he spoke about about three weeks later and about 8 million people watched, watched the program every week. And, and uh, that video went viral and people around the world started sending us emails about his miracle. And that's kind of who Connor is today really stems off of that, you know, from that miracle because he, he's really drawn to spiritual things. And, and that's what really makes, makes uh, people drawn to him is that he doesn't just speak words. He can quote about 50 scriptures and he'll literally watch messages, you know, of mm-hmm. people speaking. And he loves, you know, worship songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Connor, Connor is uh, very intelligent, doing great. His biggest challenge today, though, is uh, just um, interacting, you know, just, just that, that having a conversation with somebody else. He really has to have that developed. But um, he's an amazing kid. <laughs> well, and how old is Connor now? Yeah, so Connor's 14 now. He's 14 now. So, you know, his story reminds me of another story, a guest I had uh, several months back. I don't know if you're familiar with Josiah Cullen. Oh, amazing story. Um, Just look it up. Uh, There's a book called Josiah's Fire, but um, some similarities. It's just amazing. It's just stunning. And yet, you know, in the midst of this, okay, so God has, has said, your child is a gift. You're looking at what's wrong. You're not looking at what's right. I'm going to use your child to reach millions. And, and that's exactly what is happening, you know, through, through, like you said, that video and now through this book that's being, it's actually, it's released as of today, correct? Uh, it'll release tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. So uh, yeah. by the time, by the time we air this, it will be available, folks. So tell people how they can get a hold of your book called Champion. Yes. So you can go to championsclub.org. Uh, that's really, uh, uh, tells you about Champions Clubs and the curriculum and all the things that we do for uh, families with special needs, and the book will be right there. Or you can go to Amazon, any any place, and find the book, Champion. Okay, and yeah, and I, I had said before, I want to hear a little more about um, Champions Club. If you have another moment or two, we'd love to hear more about what this is and who it's reaching. And Yeah, so I had a second conversation with God. <laughs> and probably... probably probably the second most intimate conversation. I was walking through our church and uh, God just stopped me in front of the children's area. And he said, uh, look at what you're doing for typical kids. Mm. So it looks like Disneyland. Mm. He said, look at what you're doing for special needs kids. And we were like a lot of other churches. We weren't doing a lot. We had one room with some caring individuals, but we weren't really doing very much. And God just spoke to me and said, Craig, those kids deserve the very best, just like every other child. And he said, when you look in these kids' eyes, he says, who you're looking at, he said, you're looking at me. Because when you do it in the least of these, you do it under me. And he said, favor will follow you when you begin to reach out to these kids, teens, and adults, and their families. And he said, Craig, I'm not going to let people forget them anymore. And that was the extent of the conversation. And I remember during that time, we were just trying to walk through it with our son. I couldn't imagine starting a program, you know, at that, at that point. But what I did was I pulled together a task force. I pulled together some of the top researchers uh, on autism and different special needs. I pulled together some of the top educators in our area and brought them in. I pulled together the most important uh, special needs uh, moms and dads. 
And for an entire year, we worked on what would become the Champions Club. It's a holistic approach, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's what we're going to develop. And so there's four stations in Champions Club. There's a physical therapy station. There's a sensory station. There's an educational station. And there's what we call spirit station. And the kids rotate in between these four stations. And two years ago, Dr. Sandy Robinson and I wrote the first Christian curriculum in history, full-scope Christian curriculum in history for special needs. And when we launched at Lakewood, we had no idea uh, you know, how many families would come, but in the first six months, over 300 families uh, started coming to Lakewood. It was our largest growth uh, outside the time when we moved from, from our one building to the next. And it, it, it's, it's, it's been incredible because there's really there's nothing like it because you can start a Champions Club with very little money or you can develop it with equipment with as much as you want. And so now there's 60 Champions Clubs around the world. There's one on every continent. Um, and uh, they're growing every day, but it just always reminds me of when I was sitting in the car and God just said, uh, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people in the world that I know, you know, that even on my worst day, uh, we might become someone else's best hope, and and uh, that's, that's kind of what's happened. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I want to kind of circle back to yet one more thing that you said, and then... Uh, and wrap this up and let you get to the rest of your day. But, um, you know, you talked about this conversation. You're in the car and God is saying, you're looking at what's wrong. You're not looking at what's right. And, you know, that was in the context of you praying for your son. And yet it just makes me think, how many of us, that's our deal with ourselves, right? You know, we, why, why am I this way? I hate this about myself. I can't seem to get over this or whatever thing that is besetting us, whether, you know, whatever it is, there's a whole spectrum of, of things we could talk about. Um, but isn't that our tendency to look at what's wrong with ourselves rather than look at not just what's right about ourselves, but, but to look at our maker who is right. You know, so I guess I just kind of want to land there. What, what would you say to someone who's going, you know, whether they're going through this on someone else's behalf, a family member, or, or dealing with things about themselves that are just so frustrating? That's not even the right word, you know, just... It's overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming. That's the word. Yeah, when you're in those situations, I'll tell you how, how God showed us uh, to do it. If you look at your situation, it's, it's going to be overwhelming. You know, you look at where you're deficient or... Or, you know, I remember being in the, the, the car when we got the diagnosis and I could just hear the enemy, you know, speaking into my mind, just saying, your child's not going to be like your other kids. You'll take care of him the rest of your life. He'll, he'll never go to, go to a prom. He'll never do this. He'll never do that. And I could just hear the enemy. And you have a choice. You can either listen to it or you can do something about it. And I remember during that time, I hit the gas on, on my car and I drove home and I got up to the driveway, ran upstairs, picked up my son, and I began to speak to him. I said, you are not a victim, you're a victor. Mm. You do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. And what I was saying, I was making declarations of not who he was, but who he can become. Ah, uh, yes. But I believe the greatest way that any person can can deal with with really how we look at ourselves and, and the overwhelming circumstances. The best way 
to deal with those situations is be good to someone else. See, it's like an eagle. When an eagle's in the middle of a storm and the wind and the rain are hitting the eagle, the eagle doesn't stay in the middle of a storm and let the wind and rain hit it. What an eagle does is it spreads its wings as wide as it can, and the wind begins to lift the eagle up out of the storm where it's beautiful and peaceful and clear. And I believe when you are good to someone else, even in the midst of your storm, even in the midst of your circumstance, even in the midst of your overwhelming situations, you're like that eagle that's spreading its wings. And what God's going to do is he's going to lift you up out of the storm. And when you're good to someone else, you not only it not only builds you up and makes you feel better, but also you get a different perspective on your storm. Right. And that's what we had to do. If we would have focused on our situation, let me tell you, it, it would have been, and that's why there are so many families like mine that are victims, because... They, they're so focused on what they're going through. So when we begin to help someone else, that's when we get, begin to get a different perspective on our storm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this kind of beautifully just winds us all the way back to the the first thing I said, which really were your words about how God, you know, he knew these things would be hard, but he also knew that we could depend on him so his glory would be revealed through these circumstances. So, Craig, thank you so much for for sharing your story and it's just the tip of the iceberg so i know people will will want to be learning more about you um getting this book reading the story champions um and also you know if people maybe are thinking hey you know what maybe i want to start a chapter of this champions club it sounds like they can go to your website and maybe learn how to how to do that yeah it will help them from the very beginning to a consultation to, to recruiting training uh, uh, fundraising all the way to launch. So we'll be glad to help them. And uh, it, it, it's not hard to start a Champions Club. We'd love to help you. Oh, that's so excellent. Well, again, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless your family. And we look forward to, to hearing more and hopefully having you back on the aisle sometime in the future. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. God bless. And that book we've been talking about, you know, the one he wrote, Champions? Yeah, that's the one. It's available right now, and you can find it on Amazon. But if you really want to know more about Craig and maybe even start your own Champions Club, you can find that information at championsclub.org. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it, great interviews with fascinating people, plus blog posts and more at isleofmisfits.com. You can even subscribe to the website so you don't miss a thing. Oh, and I would love to hear what you think. Maybe you have your own brilliant ideas for what you'd like to see or hear featured on the aisle. And you can do that on my contact page. So, until we meet again, keep owning your awkward, keep loving your fellow misfit, and keep seeking truth and beauty everywhere.